0: So. Right, hey church, if you are looking for lunch plans, I'm available, I'd uh, be glad to uh, go with you and you can buy me lunch. Um, Austin asked me, hey, how many people offered to buy you lunch after first service? Uh, zero, nobody, so. Also, my kids have raised their hands that they have lunch plans, um, but I'm not involved in that apparently, so awesome, awesome, yeah, I guess, I guess so. Hey, have you been enjoying this series, Think? Have you been challenged by it? Think. We, we're, we're doing a sermon series where we're trying to get better thinking about the things we're thinking about. Right? It took me f- five tries to get that one right. So it's kind of one of those weird things. It comes from, uh, our series comes from one verse, Philippians chapter 4, verse 8. you have it memorized yet? Okay, I heard some yeses. So let's do it. Bre- finally, brothers and sisters... Whatever is true, noble, right, pure, whatever is lovely, admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things, right? This side of the room, I'm not sure what we're doing over here. Nah, no, you guys, that's, that's good. It's, it's a great one to have, uh, kind of written on your heart. Uh, Solomon, the wisest person to ever live, said, as a person thinks, so they are. Mark Twain, I love this one, he wrote, what a wee little part of a person's life are their acts and their words. Their real life is led in their head and is known to none but themselves. All day long, the mill of their brain is grinding, and their thoughts, not those other things, are their history. Preacher Jonathan Edwards put it this way The ideas and images in, man, in men's minds are the invisible powers that constantly govern them. Thoughts, they matter. They're powerful. Jesus said it like this, for it is from within that evil thoughts come. Sexual immorality, theft, murder, adultery, greed, malice, deceit, lewdness, envy, slander, arrogance, and folly. All these evils come from inside and defile a person. And so it makes sense that we should pay close uh, attention to the uh, wise, very wise theologian Winnie the Pooh who reminds us all to think, think, think. This is where I am on Sunday mornings. This is, with this verse, this is what I think of. Truth is, you and I are constantly confronted with the challenge to, to true and noble and right and pure thinking. And because the reality around us isn't always as it should be, the reality within us isn't always as it should be. It's hard not to dwell on the sin and the brokenness and the craziness around us. Maybe you're like me over the past few years. There there are times when I find myself laying in bed at night staring at the ceiling, just everything's spinning around in my head, thinking about uh, just turning over the worries of the day and the problems around in the world and the problems in my own world, and it's just this endless loop. I I find it hard to kind of shut my brain off. You ever feel like that? And what I've found, and maybe you have too, is that if I don't reorient my mind or re-anchor my thoughts... All those fears and anxieties, they, they, they tend to they start to shape and to govern my life. And Philippians 4 8 is the word from the Lord that reorients our thinking, that anchors our minds. We've been calling it a, a prescription for right thinking, and it's so essential because our thinking shapes our living. I want you to hear, though, that, that this, this verse, this series, isn't just a plea to think positively. I can remember the first time I read this, this passage, these, these, these words, and I thought, man, this dude's trying to get me to just be like extra cheery all the time, this like, weird optimism that just forgets about the world's problems and just, well, just think more, just be positive. And that's not it at all. Not at all. In fact, instead of focusing on the lies that swirl around us, Uh, This verse invites us to to dwell on, to focus on what is true. Instead of focus on the world's evil and immorality, we're invited to focus on uh, what's noble, what's awe-inspiring. Instead of uh, dwelling on injustice, we're invited to be those who seek justice and righteousness. Instead of uh, being always focused on corruption, we're invited to pursue holiness and pureness in our lives. Instead of what's ugly and marred by sin, we're invited to look at what is lovely. Instead of what is unworthy of our attention and our worship, we're invited to focus on uh, what is truly excellent and praiseworthy. Philippians 4.8 doesn't push us to just uh, kind of blind optimism or, 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 or just ignoring problems and just hoping everything just works out. What I also like, it's, not, it's also not a list of a bunch of, of do's and don'ts, right? or just don't don't do this don't do that cuz I don't the little rebel inside me always wants to do what I'm told not to do and I know that's true about some of you too I'll do my best not to look into your souls right now <laughs> instead philippians 48 8, and encourage grants us the freedom even uh, to dwell on what is good And that actually helps us be faithful and obedient to what Paul said in Romans 12, 2, to to not conform to the pattern of this world, but to be transformed by the renewing of our minds. That's right. So far, we've really learned what it means to think about whatever's true and noble, right and pure. Today, we're going to unpack the next two things to be thinking about, and that is whatever is lovely and admirable. You probably heard the, the idea of One Hit Wonders before, right? One Hit Wonders, those songs that, that kind of come out and everybody catches, everybody catches. It doesn't matter who you are, where you are. Everybody can sing the songs. You hear it. You start singing it. But they end up being the only hit that that artist or, or that group ever produces. Remember Ice, Ice Baby back in, the, the ni- in 1990? I really struggled on whether or not to, to talk about this part because some of you are not going to hear a word that I say the rest of the time we're in here. Because um, you're, na 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 Like, that's all you're going to hear and you're going to be thinking about. Whatever, I'm going with it. The Macarena? Another one, right? Come on Eileen by Dexie's Midnight Runners or Hey, You Light Up My Life. Debbie Boone, classic. Rockin' Robin, Spirit in, the, Spirit in the Sky. We still haven't figured out who let the dogs out, but we sing it every time it comes on. Um, Those are all one-hit wonders, and the words, the reason I share that is because the words we're unpacking today are actually the Bible's version of one-hit wonders. Here in Philippians chapter four, verse eight, is the only place you're going to find these two words the way they're written in Greek. It's kind of cool, really, right? It's it's, it's really cool, totally unique, but it also presents a little trickiness because we don't have any other biblical baseline for understanding what the words mean, so it's a little trickier. But the Holy Spirit led Paul to use these words, and so we're going to dig in and, and learn what we can. Here's what we know straight away. It does both of these words really apply to our approach to other people. And first up is whatever is lovely. Whatever's lovely. It, it means uh, pleasing, attractive, agreeable. You might think of a, of a lovely painting or a lovely smile or, or a lovely song. The Greek word is is Prosphile. It's a combination of two words, pros meaning towards or or leading towards, and and phile, you would know, like philadelphia, phileo, brotherly love, friendship, really. And so the word literally means that which leads toward stronger friendship. And Paul says that we should be thinking about these things that are toward or leading to brotherly love. We should be thinking about the things that promote friendship, that make friendships stronger, whatever is lovely. And man, do we need to get this one right. Just a few weeks ago, we we heard a a sermon about the epidemic of loneliness in our society. Studies show that one in four of us are walking around really with no one to share our lives with. It's not good for us to be alone, God told us in Genesis all the way to the beginning, chapter two, and yet many of us are. But what if we got in the habit of thinking about whatever's lovely? What if we got in the habit of constantly thinking about that's gonna, that what's going to lead to strengthening our friendships, promoting the love of friends? I tell you, this one, this one takes work. Because this one goes in, against the grain of our natural self-centered approach to life. Instead of thinking about how I might win or how I can get my way or how to elevate myself, what if we constantly thought about Uh, What's gonna lead towards love and loyalty in our relationships? What if we thought about uh, what's gonna make us closer as brothers and sisters? What if we were thinking about how we can connect with others? Whatever's lovely, think about such things. And and I want you to do that, like right now. Just take a moment and think, because here's the problem. I think far too many of us just kind of float through life. We don't think, we're not intentional about that. We just kind of react when something happens, we're, we want to think about it instead of thinking ahead on things. And so I want you to think about right now, what are some things that we can do, that you can do to promote uh, and lead towards brotherly love, stronger friendships? It might be, hey, you know what? It's summertime. We're, we're going to be intentional. We're going to stop making excuses. We're going to spend time with our friends. We're going to set aside time and invite them over or be intentional about going about doing things together. It could be, you know what, you're gonna step aside from yourself and I'm going to be an encourager. on it, I'm gonna appreciate people even if I don't get it back, that's what I'm gonna do. Strengthening friendships. Maybe it's you're gonna invite some of your friends and hey, let's go serve somebody else together. Maybe you're just gonna go out of your way and you're gonna start blessing your friends for no other reason than you love them. We've got three teenagers at home and they do this friendship thing really, really well. Maybe we ought to take a book, a page out of that book. Our kids, they... They laugh a lot with their friends. There's this insane, insane giggling that's constantly happening with the girls in our home. It's great, and annoying, but it's great. They, they, they eat a lot together. They, they play together, they, they, they sleep over a lot at my house. That one I'm not um, opening for you to do. You gotta figure that one out on your own. Um, What are some things you can do, you can think about right now, and then put into practice to strengthen your friendships? This past Wednesday night at Refill, uh, we we were looking at at Jesus washing the disciples' feet in John chapter 13. And the very last verse kind of struck me, especially as I started thinking from going from that message to to this morning's message, the, the very last verse... At the end of the scene, Jesus tells his disciples, now that I've, I've washed your feet, I've set an example for you to follow. Now you need to go serve, uh, serve each other. And the last verse, verse 17, says, now that you know these things, you will be blessed if you do them. And I got thinking, this is kind of like Jesus is teaching them and, 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 and teaching us, really, something really, really important. Kind of like an equation or, or maybe a cause and effect sort of thing. You see, right thinking, now that you know these things, uh, kind of leads to right feelings. You'll be blessed. That word simply means happy. When you have the right actions, if you do them. One of the struggles I've been having in this whole series is we're, we're, we're talking about changing our thinking. We need to think about these things, but if we just think about them, great, but if we don't do anything with it, then what's the point? And so, We have the right thinking, it leads to the right feelings when you have the right actions. And maybe you're like me, I struggle a little bit with the feelings, because there are times, I'll be honest with you, I'm pretty okay by myself. I'm good. You ever say that? Hey, you want to come to this thing? Nope, I'm good. Nope, nope, I'm good. I I don't, (laughs) I've got my family, so I don't need anybody else. Or maybe you find yourself saying similar things to that. I, I certainly don't want to put any work in to another relationship. I find myself, I can, I can easily find myself saying, if it's work, it's not real, or, or something foolish like that, because that's not true, right? I mean, that's just that's simply not true. We, I need people, you need, we need people, we need each other, we need friends, I was gonna challenge you to, hey, you know, like think through and search through the scriptures and find one person that did things well by themselves. And I thought, well, that's dumb because you can't. It's not there. The person doesn't exist because we were created in the beginning for community, community with God and with one another. And healthy, life-giving relationships, well, they take work. And so Paul reminds us: hey, Christian, you ought to be, you ought to be thinking about ways to develop and to foster and to strengthen your friendships. That's lovely. And whatever's lovely, think about such things. And then think about whatever's admirable. Again, it's, it's the only place in the Bible you're going to find this word. It's the Greek word euphema. They say that. Just say euphema. You guys are just staring at me like waiting for me to give something else to you, so we'll break up the monotony a little. Say it again. Euphema. You're speaking Greek. It's cool. Euphema. It means to speak well of, right? To, to, to speak well of, uh, if it's something is admirable, it's something worthy of praise, it's worthy of celebration. it's worthy of talking about. And it usually then, when we think about those things, results in us talking about them. you got a friend who starts asking questions. Hey, tell me about this Jesus guy. You see somebody just being really generous, or, or you see forgiveness happening, or you're granted, or giving you know, forgiveness. Something worth talking about. You find a show or a movie that you can sit down with the whole family and watch without blushing that's something to talk about. Maybe, maybe uh, another debt is paid off or a relationship is restored or graduation is achieved or the prodigal son comes home or the addict is celebrating one more year or one more day of sobriety that's whatever is admirable, that's worth talking about. Thinking about whatever is admirable is thinking that searches for the good rather than the bad. Euphema, in the Greek, is the opposite of blasphemia, where we get the word blasphemy, right? Right? Speaking evil about, speaking down to. Our word means to build up, to, to lift up, to speak well of. Now, I think there are several common ways that, that I say this. You and I often violate uh, this one. One of the major ways is pessimism. You know those people, right? The glass, like, mostly empty in the conversation. Eeyore, I mean, if we're going with the poo thing. Winnie the Pooh, I mean, like... I'll clarify that for some of you that are like me with a childlike faith. I mean, minds or faith, whatever. Negative Nancy, right? You throw that around. You never say that to the people. You talk about that behind their back, which is a whole other thing we're getting ready to talk about. But pessimism, or maybe it's like Lord Kelvin. Listen to this. This, this guy is a scientist in 19th century England. He said, radio has no future. Heavier than air flying machines are impossible. And x-rays will prove to be a hoax. Like, come on, man. Like, Didn't your grandma tell you if you got nothing nice to say, then yours did too? Or like Paul says in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 29, that we should speak only what is useful for building others up. Being overly negative all the time is another way we miss the point of Philippians 4. 8. And a lot of times, especially if we're trying to help people, hey, I'm trying to help you do this better, so I'm going to tell you all the things you're doing wrong. That's not euphema, and it's not helpful. Another another way we break this one, and it's a big one, it's gossip. Talking about negative Nancy behind her back. Talking about things uh, that don't have anything to do with you. Talking to other people about things that don't have anything to do with them either. It's not only a sin, but it's a major way we kind of dig up dirt and spread it around in places. And here's what we do in the church. Let's be honest, we're, we're not immune to this. Uh, we like to couch this in a prayer request. Hey, I need to know all the things going on, all the details of that person's life so I can pray. Yeah, no, no. The point Paul is making here is that our thinking and the resulting actions, we should be focused on whatever things are of good report. Whatever things we would be speaking well of. One way to ensure this happens uh, is to use the acrostic think before you speak. Uh, to make sure that your words are, are, are euphema, uh, run them through this, 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 this filter, this think filter, especially if you're, if you're on Facebook or you're texting or uh, you, know, you actually have the time to think through things. Maybe you've seen this. Ask yourself, what I'm about to say, is it true? Is it helpful Is it inspiring? Is it necessary? Is it kind? Think before you speak. Whatever is admirable, think about such things, and then speak up about such things. I thought maybe I'd give you a little help today, Uh, just because I know a lot of you are like me, and and so um, one of the things that's been stirring in me through this entire series is really how downright careless and unplanned my thought patterns are. Again, we just kind of, we're reactive. We don't, we don't think ahead. I mean, I love to quote, I love the idea of 2 Corinthians ten five. Hey, we need to take every thought captive and make it obedient to Christ, right? But when it comes to doing that, I'm usually late to the party. It's usually after the fact, I'm like, oh, it would have been great if I didn't think that and then say it out loud. <laughs> Maybe you're like that too. I can't imagine I'm the only one, and so, so I want to share something with you that's been helping me these last couple of weeks. Our thinking, this thinking thing, it's got to be intentional. You know, if we're going to try to do something in our lives that we haven't been doing regularly yet, and we're going to be different, we want to be successful, we got to maybe consider the situations that are, that are constantly coming up and, and where I usually fail and, and think differently. But I don't know the future, and I don't think you do either, and so I found myself instead praying ahead of time. I got this prayer that I get in the car before I leave the driveway. I'm praying this prayer. I stole it from David because he's really good about this praying thing. And so Psalm 19, the end of Psalm 19 is this great prayer of David and I thought maybe it would be helpful to you. It's been really helpful to me. Psalm 19, 14 simply says, Lord, let the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, my strength, my redeemer. And I like to pray that prayer before I ever go encounter other people, a little help in case you're like me. True. Let me give you one last thing to, to draw your attention to before we, we wrap this up today. We haven't talked a lot uh, about the context of Philippians 4.8. And we, we talk a lot about the importance of context, right? When we're, when we're studying the Bible, it's always context before content. What's going on? Who's saying it? What are the verses around it? Help us understand and it's really important that we pay attention to that, especially today, because these two words have to do with how we approach other people. And what I've, what I've, I just know, and you know this, that regardless of the behavior or the attitude or the abuse or the issue that's disrupting your relationships, one result is always the same, and it's usually first, and that is there is no peace. One of the first indicators that something is wrong in the relationship is peace has gone out the window, Yeah? Whether it's deception, it's unmet expectations, maybe it's anger, it's, it's disagreements about money, it's self, whatever it is, peace is the first thing that goes away. And if we don't get intentional about dealing with the issues that have caused this, it, oftentimes it's, it's just downhill from there. And so, also, <laughs> we are constantly confronted by the brokenness and chaos of the world around us. And so our peace is is constantly at risk. and So I want you to pay close attention to this. This series is, is so essential right now, and I'm afraid it's going to be essential 20 years from now, just like it was 2,000 years ago when Paul wrote it. But Philippians chapter 4, verse 8 comes right after a pretty familiar passage in Philippians 4, verse 6 and 7, where Paul writes, Hey, don't be anxious about anything. But, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God and, watch this, the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. And when you feel all anxious and worried, hey, just pray and the peace of God will guard you. And then comes our text, verse 8, finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true and noble and right and pure and lovely and admirable and if anything's excellent, praiseworthy, think about such things, followed by verse 9, whatever you've learned or received or heard from me or seen in me, Paul says, put it into practice and the God of peace will be with you. Did you catch it? Uh, the Philippians 4, 8, our, our passage about the way we think is sandwiched between the peace of God... And the God of peace. We've been saying this is a prescription for right thinking. Really, this is a prescription for personal peace. Do you want that? Think about such things. Brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble... Whatever's right, whatever's pure, whatever's lovely, leading towards stronger friendships, stronger relationships, towards brotherly love, whatever's admirable, things that are good and worth talking about, think about such things. Let me pray for us. Lord Jesus, we do desire to think better. And really, the reality is, without you, we can't. (laughs) We need your help. I mean, you've given us kind of the prescription, and now we need your power, especially with today's words. Because friendships, relationships, they get messy. God, we, we want to apply these things that we're learning today, and we need you to help us to think about whatever's going to strengthen our friendships, strengthen our relationships. The things that are, that are worth talking about, God, would you fill our minds with those things and let that flow from our mouths because we pray, God, each day now, we're gonna pray, uh, Lord, will the words of our mouths and the meditations of our hearts be acceptable, be pleasing in your sight. O oh Lord, our strength and our redeemer, we pray in Jesus' name, amen.